Hi, it's Beth. Thanks for being here today. This episode is an interview with my friend Penny. She lost her mom at the age of 25. Penny told her mom it was okay, that she could go, but really, Penny wasn't ready. The loss of their mom has strengthened the bond of Penny and her sister. If you have another topic that you'd enjoy hearing on the podcast, please let me know. You can find my email and other details in the show notes. And now, enjoy Penny's story. Hi, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. I'm glad that you're here. I sincerely appreciate all the support that I've received for the podcast. It really has been life-giving for me, and I appreciate um, when people take the time to tell me positive affirmations about the stories that they hear on the podcast. So today I have with me Penny. Penny and I have been friends since our kids were at the same elementary school together. Uh, Her twins are now 16, but since my baby just graduated from high school, um, it makes me look back at uh, our our elementary school was called West Broad. Anybody from West Broad that was listening to this uh, was just the best elementary school ever. Like those were my, right? (laughs) West Broad Street Bears was just my absolute favorite time. So my kids childhood because the school was really welcoming. Penny and I were heavily involved at the school and doing things. And it was just such a great time um, in my kids growing up life. And as, and my husband also went to West Broad Elementary School and actually had the same, my oldest daughter and he had the same second grade teacher. So, so Penny and I have been connected for over 10 years, we just figured out. Um, and she's been following the journey on the Daughters Without Moms on Facebook, I believe, and has agreed to share her story with us today. So you guys know the drill. I'm going to turn it over to her, let her introduce herself, tell us the story of her mom. And then at the end, I'll come back and we'll do some debriefing. So thanks for being here today, Penny. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Honored to be part of this. Mm-hmm. So um, let's see. Um, Penny, uh, Penny Farrell. Uh, most of my friends from my earlier years know me as Penny Barr. Um, I've lived in PA for, geez, 25, 30 years. I'm losing track. Um, my mom's family's from Pennsylvania, so that's kind of how I ended up here after college. Uh, married, two kids, twins, as Beth has just said, and I work as a teacher. Uh, for the past 10 years, I've been working as an adjunct. I'm a Spanish teacher. And I just, and so before my kids were born, I was a high school teacher. Absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going back to teaching high school, just accepted a position at a local high school. And so I'm literally starting next week. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have a department meeting tomorrow, so I'm really excited about that. So my journey about losing my mom, um, it started, oh God, in my early to mid, or I'm going to say early 20s. Um, I, I have, I remember my mom telling me, so she wasn't feeling well, and she had been having some health issues for a couple years, years, five, 10 years. And the doctors discovered she has hypothyroid, and so she was put, as most hypothyroids are put on, um, T4 levothyroxine, uh, non-generic synthroid, and that was supposed to take care of it. It didn't really take care of it. She still had issues. And so one day she tells me she came back from the doctor and she has to have surgery because um, she's going to have a hysterectomy. She has fibroids, which I knew she had had for many years in her adult life, um, and they cause pain and all kinds of fun stuff that goes along with that. So she's going to have a hysterectomy and get rid of the fibroids and just be done with it. So um, one of my mom's friends uh, came with me and it was just me and her. My sister was in college. So I think she was still finishing up college at this point. So she was in school in Massachusetts. So don't come home. Everything's fine. And, you know, I can only imagine from her point of view how this all must have been. I kind of want to hope that she wants to do this too. Two points of daughters of you. Anyway, um, so she has the surgery. It's going to take a couple hours and sitting outside with my mom's friend who we pretended was her cousins, one of her close friends. So we could, she could be there with, uh, with me. And so afterwards she's in back in her room and the doctor's talking to us and I you know, listening to how the recovery is going to be. And he tells us, I wish you better news. 
but it's ovarian cancer. I had no idea my mother might have had cancer. Now she knew she wasn't surprised. The first thing I did was look at her and she did not look surprised. You could have blown me over with a feather. I mean, you could have just, and I would have been out of there. Um, that was the second to last diagnosis I would have expected. The last thing I expected to hear was your mother didn't make it. The second to last thing was cancer. Um, and I remember grabbing her hand and she didn't hold my hand back. She was so cold, which was very strange. I never asked her about it, but it was just, it was really weird. Like, I still remember thinking like, why, 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 what's, and I was like, okay, wrong thing to do. Step back. So they said it was one of the most aggressive cancers they'd ever seen. Three weeks earlier is when the doctor had decided to schedule the surgery and it was the size, the cancer was the size of a fist in her abdomen. By the time they removed it, it was the size of a football. So in three weeks, it had grown so much. So obviously we're gonna do chemo. She didn't have to do radiation. Um, and chemo was atrocious as most people can tell you sick as a dog, losing her hair. She had cut her hair real short so that it wouldn't be extremely obvious and lost her hair, hair on her arms. Everywhere. So she used to joke around. She said, eyebrows gone. I, my mother always kept a great sense of humor about things. And she joked around. She's like, you know, life is really unfair. I go through chemo and I lose all my hair everywhere except on my legs and I still have to shave. I'm like, that is wrong. <laughs> Just so wrong. <laughs> so she actually, I remember she went to a family wedding. She had wigs made, a wig made. And she didn't tell any of her aunts and uncles that she was sick. So she wanted to wear the wig and just, I have a picture actually from that wedding. Um, I also, one other point, my mom's sense of humor. Um, she had been a smoker. Um, and she had quit smoking multiple times in her life. And along with that whole hypothyroidism, which I have more insight into now because of my own health struggles and my sister, like we have celiac. So my mother may have had celiac. I have Hashimoto's. She without a doubt had Hashimoto's. Me physically looking like my mom when she wasn't feeling well is what prompted me on my health journey, whole other conversation. So um, hindsight 2020, um, she had quit smoking and she was gaining weight and she thought it was from quitting smoking when it was probably from her having Hashimoto's and not being on the right treatment. And so she started smoking again after um, she had gotten her T4 and then she quit again. And that was shortly after that was when she was diagnosed with cancer. And she had said, yeah, I stopped smoking. I get diagnosed with cancer. No good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> like, yeah, sounds about right too. But um, so I have, so she was really sick from chemo. I remember, so this was the early nineties and marijuana, medical marijuana was not legal anywhere. So my mother was getting marijuana from an undisclosed source. <laughs> so she would feel better. And it was the only thing that kept her from puking. Um, so she would smoke um, outside and uh, it helped. They had given her like pot pills, which did absolutely nothing. Uh, it was the actual smoking of the marijuana that helped her. Um, I don't really have, I was working and I remember feeling very trapped and of course feeling guilty about feeling trapped couldn't go out as much as I wanted to, couldn't see my friends. And, um, you know, there was no social media like there is now. So it was very um, lonely, I guess you could say, even though I had family and friends, it was still very lonely. Um, and it also could be my age at the time feeling very selfish. So all normal from talking to other people and hearing other people's stories. <laughs> So that's good to know. I'm not alone. My sister was in college. And again, my mom said, don't come home. I'll let you know when it's time. So she's hearing everything secondhand. Um, and I, I can't recall if she, I remember going up for her graduation with my mom. 
and I think she had been already done her chemo. So I have, um, as I've talked about about before, I've lost a lot. Of, I don't have, I have a lot of memory loss. Um, I have Hashimoto's and due to brain fog and other things, and I've compared this with other people with Hashis, we have all have memory loss. And it's one of the things that goes with it. And it's frustrating because <laughs> I know probably 20 years ago, I could have told you this story, a two hour story with every detail. But I don't remember a lot of things and time frames get very blurred. And now, of course, on top of that, as, as Beth did point out, our brain has a way, our bodies have a way of protecting us from pain. So it's probably a combination of those painful memories and my memory loss. So I can just say, I don't remember how long the chemo was and how long she was sick for, eight months, six months, I'm gone. So she was cleared at the end of it and the cancer was gone, which was fantastic. So things got back to quote normal. I'm looking at my notes here, quote normal for a while, Time frame blurred. And then after at her first or second follow-up, six months, a year, eight months, I don't know when they did that back then. Um, she went to her follow-up checkup and the news was horrible. Um, the cancer was back with a vengeance, like worse than it ever was. Her numbers were through the roof. So she was going to do chemo again. And that chemo was worse than the first time. Um, the first time wasn't, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember it being that bad, but the second time was horrid. And again, even more guilt because she was even sicker. And how much longer do I have to do this? And how do I have to do this? Hell, she's the one going through chemo. <laughs> Selfish 20 something. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, the feeling trapped and feeling guilty and, you know, can I, go ahead. Can I ask you, where did the cancer, where was it when it? Same, ovarian. Same. Okay. But she didn't have ovaries. So it was yeah. um, the abdominal lining. And I'm going to guess that it was probably spread, but I, I don't recall. Again, memory. Um, it probably had spread, um, but abdominal lining and so they still call so when they took the cancer out the first time when they did the surgery the mass broke as they were taking it off taking it out and there was also cancer on the inside of her abdomen so it, it that whole area is an ovarian cancer type thing at the time I, things could have changed I'm not a doctor not an oncologist so yeah um she was so sick with the second chemo again no radiation which leads me to believe the cancer was in more than one place um, and her, 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 her belly was very distended and kept filling up with fluid from the cancer, which I know is extremely common. And she would go into the hospital and they would stick a tube between her ribs and drain the fluid. And I remember going to sit with her after she had started and there were six quart bottles on the floor that they had filled with the fluid from her abdomen. And the pain, she couldn't breathe because it was almost like she was drowning. The, the liquid was coming, the, the fluid from the cancer was coming up to her lungs and was drowning her. So after the second or third time of draining her lungs, uh, of draining her abdomen, she's like, I can't do this anymore. I just want to be comfortable. I'm done fighting and I'm done not living. I have zero quality of life. I'm sick all the time. I can't move. So she decided that um, she was going to stop chemo and just live what she could. Uh, the doctor said she had four to six months. Um, I was 25. I remember, well, <laughs> she told my sister to come home. It was... Labor Day weekend, I had been at the shore with my aunt for like a week. And that was when she was admitted back in the hospital. And I remember thinking, I need to go home. And she's like, no, Penny, you can stay at the shore. Just come home when you need to come home. And that was because she was, they were draining the fluid again. I remember another time there was probably 10 to 12 quart bottles on the floor from the fluid. I can't, first of all, she hated having that tube. Who doesn't love having the tube stuck in their side of the, between their ribs? So 
I got it when she said she was done. So four to six months, she's like, we'll have time. We'll, I'll catch you. you know, I'll show you guys where all the paperwork is and where all the bank account stuff is. And I have a life insurance policy. And so we were like, okay, but life is cruel. And she lived a week. And in that week, so we had hospice coming. Hospice was supposed to come. And we had a hospital bed put in the downstairs and a little porta potty thing. She had morphine patches so she wouldn't feel any pain. But she wasn't coherent for that week. She was done. She, she wasn't, maybe a day she was coherent during that week and my sister and I took turns sitting, sleeping downstairs with her. Um, we didn't get to go over any paperwork. Um, we didn't get to go over anything. Uh, and, you know, I didn't know it was going to only be a week. And there were a couple of times where she was semi-coherent. And, but she couldn't have a real conversation with her. Asked if she was in pain and she couldn't really answer a couple of times where she was making noise. And I was like, are you in pain? And um, we had the morphine patches and um, I think she had one or two on. And then, um, and the, the pot pills, which did absolutely nothing. So they just sat on the counter. There was one time where she reached out and touched my sister. And another time where she was calling the names of deceased relatives. She was almost pointing. And I knew, I knew what that meant. But I didn't want to accept it. So me believing in uh, ghosts and being able to see people around, people around. And I knew what that meant and, and that you cross over. And that was not a good realization. <laughs> so she was 50 when this happened. Um, I couldn't tell you when her original diagnosis was, maybe 47, maybe 46. Um, again, timeline's blurred. Um, trying to remember I worked during the day my sister wasn't working so she did the day shift and I did the night shift and again that was I mean I thought the other stuff was hard that was really hard so my mom always the only thing she could eat when she was going through chemo was um chocolate water ice from Rita's I to this day can't eat Rita's especially chocolate water ice <laughs> so the morning she passed um, I remember getting up for work and she was kind of slouched and I couldn't straighten her up. And I don't, I don't know if she was past at that point. She wasn't cold, so I couldn't tell. And I told Marissa, I'm like, I can't lift her. My sister's name is Marissa. I can't lift her up. I'm like, we're going to have to call our aunts and uncles, someone to come over. I lived around the corner. Everyone lived pretty close. My, my one uncle lived around the corner. So, and I, I um, I felt like I wanted to stay home, like I needed to be home and I needed to be there. But God forbid you miss a day of work. You have to go to work. So the only good thing, only good thing, it's not a good thing. This experience led me to realize that work is not the end all be all. Because, wow, oh my God, get a grip. <laughs> you know that you need to get over it stuff. You yeah, don't, I don't believe in that. You're right. You don't I was get just going to say, don't no. get a grip. Don't get a grip. I, I've heard people say about other people, get over it. But listening to the podcasts, you don't. And I know you don't. And that's okay. You don't have to feel guilty about it. So I'd like to talk like a normal human, though, without crying. I do have a regular voice. Um, so I had to go to work. You can't miss work. No, no, you can't miss work. You have to go to work. And I carried a tremendous amount of guilt about not being there that morning. And my sister having to deal with everything and my uncle. And he came over and they called me at work and they said, you need to come home. And I knew, but they didn't want to tell me because they didn't want me to drive home knowing. Um, so I remember getting offers from people at work. They were really, really helpful. 
to drive me. And I just drove myself. I was fine. So, you know, fine, relatively speaking. <laughs> um, so then when they called, my aunts and uncles were there and they called the funeral home and they made my sister and I go upstairs. So we didn't have to watch it and put her in the bag and take her out. And although I did look out the window, uh, <laughs> because we're morbid like that, um, you know, maybe she wasn't, which is, you know, the wish. Um, yeah, I knew, I knew something was off that morning and I knew. So yes, you can take the day off of work. Nobody is in dispense. Everyone is replaceable and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And a lot of people don't get that until they lose someone close to them. The funeral was hell, tons of people, which was great. People I hadn't seen in a while. Um, I remember <laughs> making everyone cry um, because, so in the Jewish religion, you don't do open casket. You can have a viewing before for family. And I don't, I don't remember if we did. I remember I had to pick out clothes. My sister and I had to pick out clothes for my mom. Her favorite outfit was a black leggings and a black, black t-shirt. So that's what she, we, we got for her. Because that was what she liked to wear. Why would I put her in a dress? Her favorite clothes was not a dress. So that was like easy decision. Um, but before they lowered her in the ground, I, my sister and I, so we had said to her when she, I guess it was even the night before, before she passed away, we had said, I, it's okay to go. We're going to be okay. And at her grave, I, to, I told her, I said, I didn't mean it. Now we wanted her back. But I guess she needed to hear that. My relatives told me that she knew we'd be okay. So my sister was home and she had to find a job, which I'm sure wasn't fun for her. You know, come home from school and watch your mom die. <laughs> so I remember it's very surreal right after it happens. And, you know, the walking in the house and her not being there. We didn't have cell phones. So it's like, pick up your cell phone. Well, actually, 90, it was 95. So I had a cell phone, but you didn't use it. You know, you didn't make calls until after nine o'clock at night because <laughs> it was free. It was just for calls. There was no other purpose and really only for emergencies because um, you only had a certain number of minutes. So totally different than the way things are now. And um I was very wrapped up. My sister and I, my sister and I have always been close. And so we got even closer. We came even closer and leaned on each other. And lots of anger. And still, you know, lots of guilt about, you know, about how I was being, quote, selfish <laughs> for taking care of my mother. Um, I realize now that my, I think I shut out people and I couldn't see past my own hurt and loss to take comfort in others. Like my uncles, my aunt and uncles, my mother has three siblings and they lost their sister. I mean, I couldn't even imagine losing my sister and I, I feel guilty that I couldn't, and I know I shouldn't, but I feel guilty that I couldn't see past my own loss and sorrow to take comfort with them and share in their loss. And that I probably appeared like I didn't think they felt loss or sadness and that they couldn't understand how I was feeling. And honestly, that's just because I couldn't see past my own grief. 
for a while, I think that that happened because I lost my mom. Well, hell, losing your sister is so traumatic. You know. <laughs> so um, when my mom passed, my sister didn't have a job. I had a job, but we had, my mother had rented the house and it was not something that we could afford. <clears throat> so now we have nowhere to live and no money. I believe I had about a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars in the bank. That was it. So we had to look for a place to live. We found a place, of course. My uncle, um, so generous, and my aunt offered that we could move with them. So I was, my mother was 50, I was 25, and my sister was 22. And we decided that it was time that we live on our own because I've been living with my mom since I got out of college, not uncommon. Um, and we found an apartment and we stayed in, in my mom lived in Ben Salem. It's where we had lived. And so I, we lived to moved to Northeast Philly right off of anyone who's here at Southampton road. There's a whole bunch of houses back there. So uh, quad quadruplex or something like that. Quads for two, no duplexes. Yeah. Four two on the top, two on the bottom. So anyway, um, it was like the perfect place to go when, you know, you needed a cheap place to live. Uh, no, cheap, relatively speaking, compared to where I was living with my mother in Ben Salem. So luckily, my mother raised us to be independent and smart, and I had relatives to lean on. And um, I remember also thinking back to the week we were sitting Shiva. So in the Jewish religion, you sit shiva and it's a time of grief and generally it's a week but in today's society most people only take a couple days three two three depending on the level of relative that passed i guess you could say immediate family i needed a week um so every night my sister and i rented a movie going back to the 90s when you went to blockbuster and i remember we we ironically picked movies where a parent dies <laughs> So I remember hearing about this movie, like, I guess it was the third or fourth night of picking movies. And it was a movie called Dad. And I was like, oh, this looks good. Well, the dad dies in the movie. And my sister was like, I had picked it out. My sister looked at me. I remember we were standing outside in front of next to the car. And she goes, that's it. Your movie picking privileges have been revoked. And <laughs> we had way too many lost movies going on. Just boxes of tissues and not a good thing. So good that we were able to see a little humor still in what we were dealing with kind of always deal with humor in my life so um since then it's amazing how the sadness and the loss can hit out of nowhere something can like just trigger um that like or like i haven't talked in depth about it for at least a decade so that'll bring it back <laughs> I think one of the things that hurts the most is I can't remember her voice and there's I don't think there's any recordings because we didn't have cell phones so I can picture her in my head but I can't remember her voice um not having her there for life moments. She never met my husband. She never met my kids. My sister's husband, my sister's kids. She, you know, everyone says she would have been the best mom mom. Of course she would have. She loved my sister and I unconditionally. So I am often, I wouldn't say jealous, I'd say envious of others watching their milestones with their moms. I know others who have lost their moms early get it. That's a, a hard pill to swallow when you watch because she would have been there. She would have stayed over and helped me with the twins when they were babies. I mean, I hit the jackpot, the good jackpot with the mother-in-law because my mother-in-law is phenomenal, fantastic. She's so awesome. I love her to death. So she was there to help, but it's not the same. 
and you know she should have been there um so i you know she i should be the one going crazy because my mother can't figure out how to use her smartphone <laughs> instead i have an aunt who has can't figure out how to use her smartphone <laughs> She's actually got the basics down, but anything beyond the basics, it's pretty funny. Anyway, um, so the anniversary of her death sucks, and it's actually coming up September 12th, and it'll be 26 years. And, you know, even now I still cry, and sometimes I just ignore it, you know, um, some years I post sappy, horrible things on Facebook, and other years I just, I do nothing. Um, I just don't want to think about it. So um, even now, like, I remember in the beginning, like, not a day went by when I didn't think about it. And now days, I'm, I'm sure I don't think about it all the time. I don't think I do. So there are days that go by, and, and then something, poof. Oh, yeah, mom. And then I kind of feel guilty for thinking about it, but silly. Cannot obsess about stuff like that because I cannot change the past. Um, so when I was approaching 50, I, even in my 40s, like just that, that year, the year she died is a very, it's a milestone. And it's like, will I live as long as my mom did? Am I going to die? She was three months shy of her 51st birthday. And I'm happy to say that I have passed all of those, those milestones. Um, partially in part to the fact that I, I, I recognized physically looking the way she did when she wasn't feeling well and having many of the same symptoms. I'm still working on figuring out what's wrong because there's no exact science when it comes to thyroid and um, gut health and stuff like that. And a whole other podcast for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I needed to make sure that I wasn't going to end up like she did, dead at 50. Um, we also grew up in an area that had, um, like my, my neighborhood, and it's not a very big neighborhood, had like seven to 10 cancer cases, which is a lot. Um, I know they don't want to call it a cancer cluster, but my sister and I are like BS on that one. Um, it used to be a potato farm, I believe, and God knows what chemicals they used on it. So, um, our neighbor four doors down had the ovarian cancer, just like my mom and lived a little longer than my mother. So don't tell me there's a coincidence there. I think perfect storm, you know, undiagnosed celiac, probably, um, things like that. But, you know, I could ask a thousand questions and she was a baby powder user before we knew that baby powder caused ovarian cancer. She didn't know she didn't know that the talc they were using they don't use talc anymore they put cornstarch which is what i use um she was an avid baby powder user of talc so it probably could have been that yeah i know i can join the lawsuits and all that other stuff but yeah um i have no proof i don't even know if i could access her records and it's really not worth you know i don't i don't need to sue someone for i've i've made very well done very well in my life and pulled my sister and I pulled ourselves up for our bootstraps and did what you got to do with the help of family too. Um, and my amazing husband, of course, who I started dating probably five months after my mom died. Um, so um, I always kind of felt like she sent him to me, <laughs> which is a good thing. Um, there was on the 20th anniversary of her death, my sister and I wanted to do something special. So we looked into the National Ovarian Cancer Coalition. And we ran, they had a 5K they do every year down, I believe down near Fairmont Park. And we decided to do that. Now I hate running with a passion. Uh, I don't run, I don't like running, I love walking. I don't know what this runner's high is. I've never gotten it. I would love to know, but it just doesn't exist in my, in my world. My back hurts, my knees hurt, everything hurts, I can't breathe. <laughs> and no, I can't push through it. It just doesn't happen. So I walk instead. Yoga, 
you know. So we decided we were going to run a 5K in her honor. And the, the 5K for the NOCC was on. It was September 12th, 2015. It was literally on the 20-year anniversary. It was like kismet. It was like meant to be. It was the sign. So I did C2 5K, couch to 5K, if anyone's familiar, to prep for it. And I, I did, I probably got through about three, three weeks, not even all because I had pulled a muscle. And so I had to stop training and then I started again. And so, yes, you know, all the things that happen when you're running. And um, I liked the way the program had intervals. So it made it easier to run. And I remember being down in Brigantine, visiting my aunt and doing it there and driving by all these, driving, um, um, I, my other aunt and uncle had dropped their dog off a Dalmatian and I was running with a Dalmatian because the Dalmatian loves to run. So it was like the perfect training to do and going by these giant mansions, like way down the road. It was really fun. So that was uh, a fun part of training. Um, not the pulled muscles and the shin splints. <laughs> I always tell people, if you see me running, it's because there's a bear chasing me and I only have to beat one person. So we ran the 5K and a couple friends joined us, which was fantastic. Um, and that was my first and last 5K in honor of my mother. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't want to do that again. Although they do do a 1K walk or something like that. I, I probably consider it, but um, yeah, not fun uh, running. But it, it was, I did, I did it in like 37 minutes, which is pretty good for someone who doesn't run. I was really proud of myself. My sister was faster than me, of course. It's because she has longer legs. I'm going to say that. Why? That's why. <laughs> so here I sit and I think about my kids losing their mom and I, I can't because it'll bring me to tears. So I do everything I can to make sure that doesn't happen within reason. I mean, I'm not a protective crazy like that. I mean, I believe in living life, but health-wise, the things I can control. So that I believe that is my story that I can recall. Wow, wow. I love, I love the 5K, that's so cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was rough and, getting up at like five in the morning though, woo. Yeah, and usually getting <laughs> to the starts of those things are not yes. fun. Yeah, that's yeah. that stress of getting yeah. down there in time and woo, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. So can I ask, and you have full authority to um, decline any question that I ask, but you know, one of my thoughts is where was your dad through all of this? Was your dad already out of the picture? Or? My dad, my parents were divorced when I was a senior in high school, uh, okay. right after my senior year. And my father lived in California at the time. Okay. So he wasn't involved. Okay. He did come okay. out for the funeral and okay. he was bereaved, yeah. which I assumed he would be. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so my father wasn't involved. My mother um, had a boyfriend. I, I'm the one who took her to all of her chemo appointments. Mm -hmm. And I don't, he, what, he, he just dealt like, dealt within in his own way and not with my sister and I. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and just one other thing, and I think you and I might've talked to this, about this already, but are there any genetics involved in your mom's ovarian cancer? Have you and your sister checked into that? We've both been BRCA tested and we're both negative for okay. both BRCA genes. Yeah, that was important to me when I went for my test. I've actually been BRCA tested twice because okay. the first time I had it done so early in the BRCA testing that um, years later, they said, we'd like to redo it um, to make sure because there's so much more we can do mm -hmm. um, and so much more we know. So they redid it. Um, and, and I was very vocal when I was having the test testing done that um, if either of the tests were negative, were positive, I would be having surgery. Yeah. There was no question. There was no ifs and I know there's a lot of controversy about it, yeah. but to me, like if, if it was going to happen, like if it was going to come back that I had them, it, it, it's just too great a chance that I yeah. wasn't going to risk. And, and like, if I had the breast cancer gene and I had to have my, and I decided to have my breasts removed and have reconstructive surgery, at least they could put them back where they belong before I had kids. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Silver lining. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. So I, I did get, we both got tested okay. and uh, luckily we were both negative. 
So I don't think it was a genetic thing. Okay. Did you have to go through like several sessions of counseling before they would actually perform the test on you? Or did no, they just, just one conversation. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I had a conversation with, um, where was I? The doctor's office that did it. I'm going to say Grandview. Okay. Okay. So this is interesting because my niece and I were just talking about that. Um, I had the test done too. Um, I went to Fox Chase and I had to go through several sessions of counseling before they would run the bracket test. Now, granted, they weren't doing a whole, um, you know, wide range on me. I had my sister's report, so they knew what gene to look for. Okay. Um, But there were all sorts of ramifications that I didn't think about. I'm always saying this. So if anybody listening is, you know, having to go through this process or thinking about this process, there were things like you probably would never be eligible for life insurance again. There were many other considerations that if that test came back positive, that you would have to know about. So I'm just saying this to raise wow. awareness. Yeah, like things that I had no clue about. I don't remember any of that. Interesting. Yeah, and how, how long ago did you have the test? 10 years. Amy was diagnosed in 2010. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So I had to go through some pretty significant counseling before having the test done to be able to say, I understand one, all right. the implications if this comes back positive. So that was pretty interesting. So just to anybody, if they're, you know, having to go through this process, put that into your hat and yeah, make sure absolutely. that you, you, you find out everything that you need to find out before having the test done. It didn't change my mind. I still had it done. <laughs> exactly. And I was, I was on the same uh, team as you. I would have went ahead and had a preventative double mastectomy and probably a hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. I was done having kids by that time. But, yep. um, so this is just FYI for people listening in case, um, <clears throat> you have that kind of situation. So, One of the things I took from your sharing is I love that you use the word envious, not jealous, because jealousy is one of the emotions that I just can't handle. Mm -mm, And feel like as I get older, I'm I'm really not jealous of anything. I let it go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But so envious, that's a much better way to look at it because I go through that also. And like you said, with you know, my kids not knowing her, my husband never having met her. So thank you for that. You have just changed my language. (laughs) I literally wrote down jealous. I, I made some notes because my memory with my memory loss to bring up some stuff. And even this morning at like seven, I like woke up and I was like, oh, I forgot. And I'm like, dude, it's seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> we all do that. I know. That's why there's a pen and a pad next to my bed. But um, I, I wrote down jealous and then I put slash envious and then I crossed off jealous because I'm not jealous. Yeah. I'm envious because I don't get jealous really anymore. Because if, if I'm jealous about something, I figure out how to make it happen for me. That's right. All. right. I don't need to be jealous of anyone. Everyone's got their own struggles. So whatever I'm seeing isn't fully the story. So, right. And like you said, there's nothing that it's not, it's not anything we can do anything about it. Exactly. You know what I mean, like jealousy, I think you could potentially, you know, you think you have the availability to maybe do something towards that, whatever that is, but yeah, you and I don't have that availability. So, no. yeah. No, the, um, the, why did it happen? Why did it have to happen? And, and that was a good five years. I'm going to say of that, um, wanting to change the past. I mean, I still want to change the past, but it doesn't, it doesn't hit me the same as it did. You know, when you hit those one year mark and then you hit the five year mark. And then, so I always say like, when people have lost their mom, I'm like, I have a friend who, when she lost her mom, she said to me, I didn't really get it, what you were saying and what you were going through until now. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, the realization you can't change the past. And I think younger me didn't, and younger, I hear from other younger people, younger, I sound like I'm 90. 20s even maybe in your 30s like I, I I wish I wish how it could have been it's a bad road to go down yeah yeah uh-huh for many yeah. not just a loss of, of of a person but many other things so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I'd really do that much anymore mm. hadn't That's wish good. I hadn't said that wish I hadn't done that you know make peace with it. I was going to say, I I hope that you do. Cause I, I wrote some notes when you were talking about your, like your aunts and uncles, because you couldn't see past your own loss. First of all, I want to say to you, you know, I think this is one of the, the 
setbacks of us being in our fifties now and, and judging our 25 year old selves actions. You can't yes. do that. We know a whole lot more than now than we did then Absolutely. your 25 year old self was doing the very best that she could. And yep. probably a lot of self-protection was needed yes. at that time. Um, but have you, I was just, I, one of my questions I wrote down is, have you ever talked to them about it, about how you look back at that situation and wish that you would have let them in a little bit more instead of, you know, putting your guard up? I have recently thought about that. I have not. And I really should, because I wonder if they viewed it the way I feel like they pop, they may have viewed it. I guarantee you they have so much grace for you. Yeah. And it was, you know, I mean, my uncle, even my aunt volunteered, you know, offered to have my sister and I live with her. And my mom had lived with her at one point. And my uncle offered to redo his garage mm-hmm. and make it a, an apartment for my sister and I. Yeah. I mean, how generous is that? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just amazing. And we decided, you know, and it was time for us to launch out on our own, so to speak. Yeah. Stand up on our own two feet. And it, that was definitely the right decision. But I have just such amazing relatives. My, my, even my extended family. I would encourage you I to should. do that. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, More closure. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just from a different perspective now that you're, you know, you've yes. passed the 50 milestone mark and you look at things differently. It'd be, a, yes. I think it'd be a really, and it would probably be such a great conversation for them too, because they probably didn't get to say a lot of the things that they wish they could have as well. Well, that would be my one action item for you from this. If you okay. do, if you do, <laughs> and if you do do it, you have to let me know how it I will. <laughs> So just <clears throat> one thing, you and I, you and I both have Hashimoto's. So thank goodness when we talked last week, you told me a little bit about the memory loss because I just thought that was from, you know, hitting that 50-year-old mark <laughs> that I was starting to lose brain cells. Um, but so for me, because I'm the last living person in my family, I have a lot of nudges to like document everything. I don't know if you did this growing Ooh. up with your kids because. I'm doing a lot of writing and considering writing a book. I'm, you know, documenting a lot of the stuff because I won't have anyone to tell that story when I'm gone. So I just wanted to share um, something I learned. It's a, it's called storybook and they will send you questions once a week for a whole year. And at the end of the year, you can submit pictures and this and that and all kinds of stuff. They will publish it into a hardbound book for you. So it could be like an autobiography. It could be the story of your mom. It could be Penny and Marissa's journey, you know, whatever you decided to do for it. I've considered writing a book as well. Yeah. 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 So just to pass that on to you. Thank you. Put into your I hat. appreciate that. Yeah. As we're all losing our memory before we lose <laughs> it all. <laughs> Let's get some of that stuff documented. So just before we close with your tip to share, I want to say, you know, I am a little envious of you and Marissa still having each other because, you know, I've lost my sister, but yes. boy, it just makes my heart swell to know that you have her and that she has you because I, yes. I know how important that that is. Um, and I'm really thankful that you guys have each other. I also sincerely love your mom's legacy of a sense of humor. Before you told me that, I mean, I knew you had an amazing sense of humor from our, <laughs> from you. our 10 years of knowing each other, but what a great legacy that that is. And that you and your sister have that <clears throat> together to share, um, you know, as you remember and honor your mom through the rest of your lives. So yep. I think that's, what was your mom's name? Anita. 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 So, which, you know, my daughter is Anita. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, In the Jewish religion, you name your children after deceased relatives, if not their full name, a variation or the first letter. So when I was the first of my sister and I to have kids, so I, my mother's name was Anita Ray Brown. So my daughter is Anita Ray and my sister named her daughter Amelia taking the first name. So still honoring my mom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. So Marissa, we're, we're calling you out. You'll be next. <laughs> <You're> next. <laughs> I'd love to have her share as well. I well, I haven't even told her I was doing this yet. So, okay. Well, maybe just surprise her and send her the link when we publish yes. it. So, so I do ask everyone if they have yes. a final, you know, tip to share or something that they'd like to share with people who are listening to the podcast. I have two. Great. My first one is you're not alone. As I've said, um, take, try, to t- try to take comfort in the people around you who are feeling the same as you. Maybe it's more of a self-defense mechanism that we don't. So we need to get, a, get to a comfort level with our own grief before we move on to work with others' grief. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. but you are not alone. There are other people, even if no one, even if you're the only one left in your family and you lose your last living relative, you have to know someone in your life who's been through the same thing. Mm. So talking, I talked a lot about the loss and it really helped. I told people my mother's story and whether they wanted to hear it or not sometimes, Mm. and I probably bored them with it, but it was therapeutic and I needed it to be out there. And hence the, why your podcast is so popular. <laughs> <laughs> My second is um, work can wait. Take the vacation day. Eat the cake, as the expression goes. If you have a sick family member, you can stay home from work. Yeah, it, it can wait. It is not that important. Mm-hmm. And I think... A, I think um, a lot more people get this because of COVID than, you know, two years ago, this message would have fallen on more deaf ears. Um, But that morning when I was like, the mindset, I have to go to work. I have to go to work. No, you freaking don't have to go to work. Your mother is dying. You can stay home. It's not the end all be all. Right. So taking care of yourself and your family is much more important. Absolutely. Those are my two, my two wise, sage words of wisdom. So be it. <laughs> Amen, sister. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for being here, Penny. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and like I always say, I'm sorry that you're part of the club, but I yes. do believe that sharing our stories is healing for ourselves and also um, helps fulfill that number one that I think it makes people realize that they're not alone. 100% agree. Yeah. So thanks for your vulnerability and for being here. Thank you. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.